people say all the time, I'd love to get into the stock market, but it's too complicated. I wouldn't even know where to start. Well, with this podcast, there are no, no more, excuses. more excuses. This is Winning with RHK100. He's helping people achieve financial freedom. Dude's making millionaires out here. He's here to give you the knowledge and an edge to help you navigate the volatility in the stock market. Put your learning cap on, because he's here to drop the knowledge. Here's your host, the man, the myth, the legend, RHK100. Yes, you are now winning with RHK100. Welcome back. And today we're going to discuss penny stocks. And I'm going to save you a lot of money with this episode. My grandmother used to play this song every once in a while. And a member of the RHK100 community recently brought this song up. So I want you to hear a few lyrics because it goes perfect with today's episode. It goes, if you're going to play the game, boy, you got to learn to play it right. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Know when to walk away and know when to run. You never count your money while you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. Those wise lyrics are from a song called The Gambler, which was sung by the late Kenny Rogers. And just for you to know, the song is from a movie called Kenny Rogers as The Gambler. And in this amiable action-adventure film, Kenny Rogers, surprisingly, did an amazing job leading the movie. And you can check that film out for free on YouTube if you're a fan of Western films. But back to those lyrics. They represent all the basic rules of gambling within those eight lines. You might ask yourself, why am I using a gambling reference when it comes to penny stocks? And your intuition probably nailed it. Yup. Most likely, if you're buying a penny stock, you're gambling. What is a penny stock? A penny stock typically refers to a stock of a small company that trades for less than $5 per share. Though some penny stocks trade on large exchanges such as the New York Stock Exchange, most trade via over-the-counter, aka OTC, which is privately owned by OTC market groups. The OTC market is generally considered extremely risky due to their lenient reporting requirements and lower transparency associated with these securities. Due to those two factors, so many stocks that trade on the OTC have a lower share price and may be highly volatile. Also, those two factors are the reason I'll call purchasing penny stocks gambling. If you're not buying a stock based on fundamentals and technicals, you're gambling. Men lie, women lie, but numbers don't. So that's exactly what you want to stand behind when it comes to investing your money with any company. I don't want you to be overwhelmed with the financial jargon I'm using. So let me break down what I mean by fundamentals. So when it comes to fundamental analysis, it involves looking at any data which is expected to impact the price or perceived value of a stock. Some of the fundamentals of stocks include cash flow, return on assets, And conservative gearing. Conservative gearing refers to the ratio of a company's debt relative to its equity. If it's high, then a firm may be considered as highly geared or leveraged. A company with a low gearing ratio will generally have more conservative spending habits due to understanding that its industry is more sensitive 
to economic ups and downs. These companies are referred to as cyclical businesses. For example, Zim Shipping and the international shipping rates, which was explained in episode two. So overall, performing fundamental analysis can be challenging because it requires digging through financial statements to know when the stock price is possibly being priced wrong. And the problem with penny stocks in the OTC markets is that you simply don't get that transparency. You only get face value information and not the things behind the scenes that truly matter, which is real numbers. So if you can't do a deep fundamental analysis on a company, what would you do to gauge if a penny stock or any company was a good investment? It's usually three things. One, you would research the overall industry and try to see if there's any room for market share or market disruption. Two, you would research everything possible about the company to see its recent deals or any signs of growth. And three, which is most important, you would bet on the founder and or CEO of that company. The third one sounds foolish, doesn't it? Guess what? It happens way more than you think. Venture capitalists, hedge funds, sophisticated investors, celebrity investors, and even the best investors have falling victim when it comes to placing their hard-earned money on that charismatic CEO and their vision. Let's use three prime examples. Let's start with Sam Bankman-Fried, who was the founder and CEO of FTX. He had many hedge funds, businessmen, and celebrity investors, which included Tom Brady, Mr. Wonderful, and Robert Kraft. FTX was the third largest cryptocurrency exchange by volume and had over 1 million users. Sam was on Forbes cover on their annual 400 edition in October 2021, which stated he was worth $23 billion. In November 2022, FTX collapsed. It was reported that the collapse of FTX was caused by a liquidity crisis of the company's token FTT. I beg to differ with that statement. The company was simply highly geared, aka overleveraged. Sam seemed to have a lack of experience operating in a rising rate environment and failed to look at the crypto industry as cyclical. And he was dishonest to his investors and the public about the company's financial health leading up to the collapse. So due to this, Sequoia Capital suffered the biggest loss, which was $200 million. Tom Brady lost $45 million. His ex-wife, Giselle, lost $25 million. And Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank, he lost $10 million due to this mishap. Just to circle back, on that Forbes cover in October 2021, you could pull that up, the 400 edition when Sam is on the cover. There was a quote there that I found very strange. Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, But I remember seeing it uh, two years ago, and I, I was shocked at the statement. And it says, if you pull it up right now, or you just want to hear me say it, it says, I got involved in crypto without any idea what crypto was. There's so many things wrong with that statement. And I wouldn't even want to give someone 0.001 of my net worth if they uttered those words. And I'm sure those investors who invested millions of dollars did not know this guy was reckless. He was a liar. 
and he was just unfit for the job. Let's move on to the second example, Adam Newman. He was also on a Forbes cover. He didn't make the top 400, but he was on a Forbes cover. And um, he is the founder and the former CEO of WeWork, which is a co-working space valued as a tech company. It was valued as a tech company. And Masayoshi's son, Japan's wealthiest man and one of the world's greatest investors, invested $5 billion into WeWork, valuing the company at $20 billion. WeWork now has a market cap of $338 million. And Masayoshi lost $4.7 billion thus far. And that number represented the biggest quarterly loss in his investment firm 38 years history. Last but not least, Elizabeth Holmes, the founder and CEO of Theranos, which was a biotech company. She was also on a Forbes cover in October 2014. She made the 400 edition. It's like a trend with these 400 editions, I tell you. And um, the Walton family, which is the Walmart family, uh, Rupert Murdoch invested over $600 million in Elizabeth Holmes' healthcare startup. The company's blood testing technology was exaggerated and ultimately false. She went to court, and at the end of her trial, jurors convicted Holmes of wire fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud. She faces up to 20 years in prison. Elizabeth Holmes was found guilty of four charges in her criminal fraud trial. Obviously, the Walton family and uh, Rupert Murdoch had to take the $600 million loss due to the failed healthcare startup. I'm bringing up these examples because all three of these companies were heavily invested in due to their story and the person's storytelling their narrative. These companies were not invested in based upon value investing, which includes deep fundamental analysis. And that's purely a gamble to put it on he said, she said. These CEOs are usually silver tongue. They seem to master what people are looking for, which is sincerity, relatability, accessibility, simplicity, and they give a facade of quiet wisdom. There was a quote from Elizabeth Holmes, one of her investors, and they said, you couldn't help liking her, wanting to believe her, itching to embrace the dreamy future she promised. Massive fraud machine, the deception happening all around us. It's hard to know what was real and what was fake, both in a company and in Holmes herself. By the end, perhaps not even she knew. Those exact sentiments right there shows you that this investor was emotional. She talked about liking her. She believed in her. It was a dreamy future. You didn't know if it was real or fake. Men lie. Women lie. Numbers don't. And this is why value investing, fundamental analysis is very important. And obviously, when you have more transparency, you can see what's really going on. So when you're investing in these private companies or OTC companies, you are putting on a lot of risk due to you not having a transparency. There's nothing wrong with buying some of these story stocks. At one point, even Tesla, Elon Musk was a story stock. People believed in him. 
They put up millions of dollars before the electric car market even existed or the first Tesla model existed. So there are some good investments that can be made, but you do have to properly access your exposure when it comes to these speculative plays because there was a chance that Tesla wouldn't have worked out. So if you put $20 million into Tesla, it could go down the drain. You just have to be prepared for the losses that can come your way. Now, I say all of that to say this. I had some good penny stock trades in my life. I had some bad ones too. So let's discuss the elephant in the room. And that elephant is S-E-G-I. Segi TV. Ticket is S-E-G-I. Segi TV is a small streaming company. And I heard about it during a dinner when I was out with my family and friends. After doing some research and technical analysis on a recent stock price, I invested in Segi on December 13, 2020 at 0.018, which is a little under two cents. And I told the RHK100 community that it was a home run play for me. By the way, home run simply means that I'm expecting a 100% return on my initial investment within 24 months. After making my initial investment two months later on February 8th, 2021, I was up 600%, which represented $240,000 in profits. At that moment, I suggested to every member inside my community that owns Segi to sell it if they don't have their 10K in ETFs, or that they should sell their course if they don't have a proper foundation. And as the young boys would say, no cap. Those were my exact words when we saw those astronomical gains within 60 days. Personally, I held without selling my course. I do have to tell you that my initial investment in Segi represented less than 5% of my total portfolio, which is still aggressive for a speculative penny stock play. But at the time, I was willing to take the risk. And that was hands down the dumbest decision I've made in my 16 years of being in the stock market. If you don't know, 600% returns on your investment is an unbelievable return, especially in a two-month time frame. Don't worry. I'm going to tell you why I made that mistake. I had some time to think about this, so I'm going to give you three reasons. Number one, I didn't follow my rules. One of my core principles is to sell my cost at 100% unless the company or investment pays me for owning it a.k.a. dividend stocks or real estate. I simply didn't follow this rule due to the euphoria that was surrounding the market in 2020 and an unprecedented winning streak in the RHK100 community prior to the SEGI trade. Also, a few members in our community second-guessed my initial selling point for some of my Dogecoin, which was at 1,300% gains. After that first initial sale... Dogecoin went on another run, and within another 30 days, I believe, they returned another 2,000%. So some members sold half of their Dogecoin and suggested that they would have seen the million-dollar mark if they didn't sell when I sold part of my position. Just for clarification, this is not an excuse as a leader. It was simply a poor decision when it came to Segi due to trying to over-deliver after second-guessing my approach of taking gains that's been working for years. Number two, 
as we spoke about earlier, when it came to those three founders and their investors, I fell victim to the story and the hype around the growth potential due to new partnership announcements, a possible OTC uplisting, celebrities tweeting and posting about Segi, which included athletes, music artists, and executives, etc. But at the end of the day, all of that doesn't matter when it comes to your investment. If there's no fundamental value in the company, always remember that. Number three, I treated Segi like an investment instead of a trade. Don't ever treat a trade like an investment and vice versa. A stock investment should be made when a full analysis is complete and the potential investment checks all your boxes for long-term success. A trade is placed based on technicals, headline news, and speculation. Always remember that, and it will save you a lot of money inside of this stock market. Segi would have been in my top 30 stock trades of all time, not options, stock trades. And instead, due to my poor execution, I am now sitting on a loss of 93%, which represents over 100K in the red. And it's my worst stock loss in my investing career. Oh, yeah, you picked the right podcast. We don't only talk about the good, baby. We have to talk about these mistakes that are made so we can save future investors from making these same mistakes that can cost you time, headache, and money. Segi was also the worst thing that happened to the community, even though it was up 600%. That diamond hand nonsense blinded the common sense of investors and put people in the hole. The good thing is, I learned so much from that situation. It will never happen again. And most importantly, you won't make this mistake because you know better. You should always practice selling your cost at 100%. Always. But for those who want an update or conclusion about that Segi position, it seems like the CEO is a little Donald Trump. Allegedly, he refuses to pay some of his content partners. The lawyer that was previously representing Segi for the OTC uplisting is suing for money due. And this guy has all around dropped the ball like the other three founders we spoke about earlier. Unfortunately, when it comes to these private and under-the-counter markets, you'll always have these silver-tongued individuals who come in and try to take advantage of those who want to be a part of the next big thing. So be wary, be smart, and always put fundamental value investing first. And if you decide not to, at least you know the risk and you understand it's just a trade at that point. Now to the best part of the episode, I usually recommend a book, but today we're talking about penny stocks. I don't feel comfortable recommending a book to you. I will recommend one of the best penny stock traders of all time. His name is Timothy Sykes. You could look up his YouTube videos. You could pick up any of his books. Feel free to indulge. But instead of giving you a book, I want to Touch those lyrics again by Kenny Rogers. If you're going to play the game, boy, you got to learn to play it right. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. For all the penny stock traders out there, write those lyrics down and keep them in your pocket. <laughs> 
buckle up and enjoy the ride. Anyway, I'm signing out. And don't forget, let's keep winning. Thanks for listening and learning with RHK 100 today. We hope you've enjoyed the show and we hope you've gotten something useful from it. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest topics and trends in the market. Please check out his other episodes and visit rhk100.com to join the winning team. Come be a part of the RHK100 community. Also, make sure you follow us on Instagram at rhk.100. And as always, if it dips, buy more.